It's a great day to live for Jesus. This is the In the Word podcast with Pastor Mike Grover, a chapter-by-chapter devotional journey through the New Testament where we will browse the background, discover the doctrine, and practice the principles of God's Word for us today. Well, today in the Word, we are in John chapter number 12. And John chapter 12 and verse 1, I love it that John always gives us kind of these time stamps on where he is. But he says in verse 1 that this event took place six days before the Passover. And remember a few days ago, I told you there's three Passovers mentioned in John. That means we're looking at three years of time, or really two years, one from the first Passover to the second, the second to the third. Well, this Passover is the final Passover, six days that will take place. It's the day of the crucifixion of Christ that's coming. It's a day when our Passover is crucified for us. So in John 12, we're six days before the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And it's interesting because 50% of the Gospel of John is about that final week of the life of Christ. It's just packed with the intensity and the detail of the final week of Jesus. And John 12 is really, it's 50 verses of intense events and dialogue with Jesus. It's really the last chapter of his public teaching before he goes private with his disciples in the upper room and then in the garden and then as he's being judged and then his cries from the cross. But 50 verses, just packed full of events and dialogue with Jesus. In John chapter 12, Jesus is worshiped by Mary. She's pra- he's praised by the people as he triumphantly enters into Jerusalem. He is sought out by the Greeks. The Greeks came and said, uh, we want to see Jesus. He was hated in this chapter by the Pharisees who not only wanted to kill him, but they wanted to re-kill uh, a Lazarus or they wanted Lazarus to die again. And then he's questioned by many in this chapter. It's as if you see this lining up of people to just ask Jesus questions from all quarters of questions, from Gentiles to believers to unbelievers to his disciples. And so much is going on in this chapter and so much that we could draw from. But I want to focus at the beginning on the worship of Mary. And it says in verse 1, Six days before the Passover came to Bethany, Jesus came, he came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. Now, this is right after where Jesus rose, um, raised Lazarus from the dead. It says, There they made him a supper, and Martha served. Martha was always serving, right? And we believe this took place from other gospel accounts in the home of Simon the leper. So Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, And she anointed the feet of Jesus, and she wiped his feet with her hair. What a humble, humble act of of service and sacrifice. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the ointment. Man, beautiful. Then one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, of course, Simon's son, which is the one that would betray him, um, said, Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence, 300 denarii, and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and he had the bag and he bore what was put therein. Then Jesus said, let her alone, leave her alone. Against the day of my burying, she has kept this. 
So we have this account of Jesus sitting here at this meal with the family of Lazarus, Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha. And they're sitting in Simon the leper's house, and Mary's getting the dinner ready, and and they're about, and, and man, Lazarus is sitting there, sitting at the table with Jesus. And where's Mary? It's where you always find Mary. You find her sitting at the feet of Jesus. You find her leaning or kneeling at the feet of Jesus. Here you find her washing or wiping the feet of Jesus with her own hair, and she's wiping it with an ointment, this spikenard, this very very precious and costly ointment. That, by the way, Judas here sets the value at 300 denarii. Now, denarii was, in the Bible, was a day's wage. So when you take out holidays and you take out Sabbaths, 300 denarii, you're talking about a a year's worth of investment, a year's worth of savings, a year's worth of value. And she's just pouring it out at the feet of Jesus. I thought, that, what that, would that be like to us, a year's wage or, or whatever? And I thought, well, let's get something. I don't know. Everyone makes a lot. Think of it this way. A brand new, really, really nice car. Man, you go out and you get this brand new, nice, nice car. All of the bells and whistles. We're not talking about a little economy car here. We're talking about this beautiful, brand new, nice car. And you give it away. That's really close to the value that we're talking about here of Mary giving to Jesus. But really, it's it's more than that. It's a day's way. It'd be even more than that. But here's the difference. Unlike us giving away something tangible like a brand new car, what Mary gave was, was non-reclaimable. She couldn't reclaim it. It wasn't something she should give away and maybe crossing her fingers and hope, well, maybe Jesus will give it back to me. No, this was something that had to be broken. This box, this alabaster box had to be broken. It wasn't going to be usable again. Once she took that ointment and once she poured it out and once she wiped his feet with her hair, it wasn't something she would ever get back. It was poured out. And so I think a better example... um, with greater value than that car is the giving of our lives. And I think that's really the example in this chapter. It's us giving to Jesus what we cannot take back. It's what we can't reclaim. It's what we give him in faith, trusting that he will reward us or has rewarded us for what we have given to him. You see, we tend to hold on to what we have. We tend to hold on to life we tend to kind of spoon out our life, right? Well, I'll give a little bit over here. I'll get a little bit, but I don't want to be crazy with my life. I don't want to be faithful with my life. I don't want to be reliable and dependable. I don't want to just always be there. I don't want to pour out my life. I just want to give some of it away, but I would definitely want to keep the most of it. And I definitely want to keep the most valuable part of it. And you know what? If there's nothing competing for what I have going on then yeah, I'll, I'll give that away. So we give our, our life out in spoonfuls, but not Mary, not Mary. You say, well, what motivated her so much? Why was she so motivated? Well, I think we find the answer down later in the chapter in verse number 23. It says, Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. He's talking here about his death. And look what he says in verse 24. He says, truly I say unto you, Except a corn or a grain of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth 
much fruit. He that loves his life will lose it. He that hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then there came a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. So Jesus really gives us the motivation for Mary's gift. It was his example. Mary's gift, really, if you think about it, it's just a reflection off of the mirror of what Jesus Christ was about to do for her. And somehow she had a, a, an understanding of this. But for us, our pouring out of life is really just a reflection of the mirror of what Jesus has already done for us. You see, we serve Jesus because he served us. We serve Jesus because he saved us. Years ago, when I met my beautiful bride, Cheryl the Pearl, I was a, a youth pastor at Landmark Baptist Church in Sefner that's pastored by um, Steve Barber. And uh, there was a, a, a slogan or a, um, a phrase that they used at the church then, and maybe they still use it today. It was kind of the church motto. And the church motto of Landmark was saved to serve. Saved to serve. And I thought, man, that it just... That just encapsulates what's going on in this chapter. See, Jesus' service to us was our example for service to him. Mary gave it all. Mary poured it out. Mary worshiped him with her life. Why? Because she was saved to serve. We are saved to serve. And we give of ourselves in response to what Jesus has given to us. And by the way, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, it's just not um, words in a story in the pages of a book. Man, it was a real and costly experience to him. In verse 27, he said, Now my soul is troubled. And Jesus was troubled in his spirit. He was troubled in his soul. He knew the anguish. He knew the cost of what was about to happen to him. But he said, what shall I say? Shall I say, Father, save me from this? He said, no, this is why I came to this hour. So we serve a crucified Savior who is also a risen Savior, but we save out of sacrifice. We worship like Mary worshiped because that is what Jesus did for us. It's our reasonable response to all that Jesus has done for us. So the word for today is this, we have been saved to serve, to pour out what we have been given for his glory. So don't hold back from him today. He is worthy. Thank you for listening today to In the Word. Join us every Tuesday and Friday for new episodes as we continue our devotional journey through the New Testament.